Welcome back to the Lift, Laugh, Love podcast. I've spent a lot of time over the years looking at failure and how it shows up in my life. And I can backtrack all the way to the first time that I started playing sports in my life. You know, it began with baseball or t-ball, you know, as a kid and uh, experiencing the wins and the losses and how I became a part of a team or how the team played together all the way up through middle school, which is about as much baseball as I played um, before getting into cross country and track as a high school athlete. Um, I excelled at track and cross country, you know, pushing some of my physical limits, but never really optimizing my nutrition in order to meet that track and cross country goal. What I didn't know at the time about physical fitness performance and reaching our goals was that there's a huge emotional component to the journey. If we're not tapping into those limiting beliefs and those negative core beliefs that we hold about ourselves, we may never reach our physical fitness goals because we will always come across opportunities to limit ourselves with the negative core beliefs that we were programmed to believe in our lives. Things that resonate with me a lot are, I'm not worthy, I don't feel loved, or I'm not worthy of love. And when I uncovered time that there's an emotional component, both to coaching, but also uh, to support our athletes and our clients through their physical fitness journey, because understanding what our clients' core limiting beliefs were by listening and by asking clarifying questions and deeper questions than say like, how many sets and reps are we gonna do today? Or what exercises are we gonna program? or what exercises are best to get glute definition or ripped abs, um, it goes way beyond that. And it wasn't until I, I began to explore my life through my relationships that I didn't start to see the emotional component to my own physical performance and fitness goals. I could even relate it back to how many times I tried college before I actually finished it. And I like to think back on the time that I spent in college as opportunities to fail forward. Yes, I tried UNC as a freshman and a sophomore, and it wasn't the right fit. The town wasn't great for me. Greeley can be very dreary in the winter, and seasonal affective disorder is a, is a real thing. You can get really low when there's not a lot of sunshine, and you're not in an environment that's conducive to an emotional journey like what college can be. And I took the opportunity to transfer over to CSU. So again, I was I wasn't failing out of college, but I was failing forward in my choices. Was UNC the best choice for me? No, but I failed forward to the next level. CSU seemed to be a better fit for me, but I was still failing forward in my choice of focusing on history as my major. I didn't know that UNC or CSU had an exercise science degree. They were called uh, kinesiology at UNC or sports science or exercise science at at CSU. And that wasn't really clear to me. So again, by failing forward in my choice of uh, a history major, which ended up becoming my minor once I finished at Metro State, taking time off of school and then going back eventually to finish at Metro State was another opportunity to fail my way forward through a degree. And when I say fail forward, it doesn't mean that I was failing tests. But what I was picking up along the way was components of exercise science that were practical and application, things like body composition 
or the Wingate test on a bike. I was terrible at, at executing the Wingate test. I couldn't get the heart rate. I couldn't get blood pressure. I, it was a very complex assessment to do on general population and elite level athletes. It's a very effective test, but I was failing my way through these practical applications of exercise science to earn my degree at, at Metro State. 11 years later, I'm still an internship supervisor with uh, Metro State. I, I've had five or six interns from the program, and it's been a, a great part of the journey. But I get to see these interns come into a culture or a mindset of my own of where they can fail forward towards their degree program. They're not going to get it right or perfectly every single time that we try something. You know, we're going to do body composition assessments over and over and over again with our clients so that our trainers get the opportunity to get it right. Let's tie in failing forward into what I've experienced as a business owner over the course of the years. Did I know what I was doing business-wise when I first started out? No, I just knew that there was a red and a black and I wanted to stay um, above water. So I, I found one client and I immediately understood that one client wasn't going to cut it. I was drastically undervaluing my hourly rate. And that's where I felt aligned at the time was to, you know, discount what I felt I was worth in order to build a business. And within the first 14 months, I started to raise my hourly rate because I saw the business side of everything of like, I will not be able to create a business that I can live off of if I don't find my own worth in my business. And that was so many opportunities to fail forward within the first 14 months of my business. And I, I find that 14 month mark as significant because that's when I cracked 50,000 in, in overall revenue. I would not have gotten there if I didn't, if I had stayed at that first hourly rate that I chose. There was just an impossibility to scale my business at such a, a low hourly rate. I wasn't competitive in the market, and I certainly was devaluing my own services, so I saw a lot of turnover in my clients in the beginning. But those were, again, opportunities for me to fail forward. Was I failing by the pure definition of the word? Absolutely not. My clients were seeing great success, the ones that uh, saw value, the ones that showed up consistently, and they were held, holding themselves accountable. Those clients were succeeding. But was I necessarily reaching my goals? Yes, and I was failing my way towards those goals day after day, week after week. And about six years into my business, I found jujitsu. It was definitely something that I could use in my life to get outside of my comfort zone. You know, adult co-ed softball wasn't cutting it anymore. I had a weightlifting practice in my, in my life, but it just wasn't tying the things together that I started to see as a theme for my clients. And that theme that I saw was the emotional component to reaching our fitness goals. When I started to truly listen to my clients and hear what they were saying to me of like, Dave, I'm struggling with um, sadness at home. I'm going through a divorce. Or Dave, I'm angry at home because my, my family is experiencing this. Okay, well, are we going to use that to our client's advantage and create a space where they can yes, put words to that, voice their feelings in our uh, personal training environment. And that was the turning point for me. That was an opportunity for me to no longer look at any mistake I ever made as a failure. 
Because if I was listening and supporting and still guiding my clients on their way to their um, personal fitness goals journey, and I was doing it through the mental, emotional, and physical side of being a human, uh, combining a holistic approach uh, to my personal training business, I was definitely taking my own opportunity and reminding myself over and over again that if I just continue to fail my way forward, my clients will still see results and I will eventually reach my goals too, which is time and financial freedom within the business. So let's tie this back into jujitsu. I don't know if I would have learned the mind-body connection if it weren't for jujitsu. And yes, weightlifting as a journey, uh, picking up a set of dumbbells and pushing ourselves to lift more or uh, lift more reps this week than last week, that is a part of the physical and the mental side of the journey. But jujitsu for me was really an opportunity to look inward. Okay, why do I get so frustrated in class? Why do I actually get emotional in class? Why did I leave class tonight with tears? Uh, one, I got choked out a bunch, but two, why was that so frustrating to me? Is because I saw myself as a failure and that gets tied back into my own sense of self-worth. And jujitsu has been a truly remarkable journey for me over the past five years of consistently training to go deeper into that, uh, that well of truth for me is I continuously fail at the sport of jujitsu because I get choked out or tapped out or I didn't show up as my best self that day, I was tired, and I get to look at what was happening and occurring and I was experiencing in my life from the emotional side. Our community and culture at Easton is built on, we are going to face our fears when we step onto that mat. And if I continue to reflect on this, and we have new students starting all the time, Every week we have new students coming into the, into the jiu-jitsu school. And if I can reflect on this and remind myself that jiu-jitsu is an emotional sport, then I can be with them on their journey and I continue to get to my goals by failing my way forward towards that, towards that next time I compete or towards the next time I go up against an upper level belt that I don't believe that I can beat and I hold my own. Well, yeah, I didn't beat them. I didn't choke them out. I didn't tap them out. But did I get beat? Did I learn something? Did I take something away on the emotional side, the spiritual side, the physical side, the mental side of the sport? Did I take something away from that five or six or seven minute match? That's a win for me. And that's an opportunity for me to fail forward once again. Did I learn and execute the move of the day perfectly? No. But when I see that same move taught six months or a year down the road, I get to build upon what I already learned in kind of a failing forward mentality of like, if I'm always believing that I'm a white belt and I bring a white belt mentality where I'm always learning and always striving to learn more in the sport of jujitsu, then I've tied in the emotional component of the sport and I've developed a better connection between my mind and my body and my heart too. If I don't acknowledge that these things are a, a component of reaching our personal fitness goals, then I've lost all the tools that I have as a coach. And if I forget about this mind, body, and heart connection with my clients, they won't reach their goals as quickly or as efficiently or as safely as they would like to. 
if I ignore this emotional component to the personal training and to the jujitsu journey, I will either get hurt or I will not reach my goals on the mat. And I will not approach the sport with a white belt mentality and get the opportunities in the future to fail my way forward all the way to black belt and then beyond. I wanted to start this conversation from a fitness and physical approach because it's been a part of my journey. And one phrase that I've learned along the way, I got this from Brene Brown. I make mistakes. I am not a mistake. So the mistakes that I make in the gym, weightlifting, power cleans, doing a squat, the mistakes I make there do not define me as a person. I am not any less worthy because I make mistakes in the gym. And then through my business, I am not defined by the mistakes or the decisions that I make in my business. I made mistakes, but that doesn't make me a mistake as a person, as a human. I'm not defined by the mistakes I make. And that helps me. It guides me on my way to keeping a fail forward mentality. Yes, 11 years into my business, I'm still making mistakes, but I get to fail my way forward towards my goals. Five years into jujitsu journey, I'm still making mistakes on the daily basis when I show up at school, but that doesn't take away from my self-worth because I stuck with it. I stayed consistent. And that's where I find the value is in my discipline. How disciplined have I been with my jujitsu practice and my jujitsu passion? And that's the win. That's how I have succeeded in my journey. I failed my way towards this point in my, in my life, in my business, and in my sport of choice. And I'd like to transition this conversation and approach relationships in the same way. And I'll ask you this question as we transition into this part of the conversation is, is there such a thing as a failed relationship? Or is it just a string of lessons that we are meant to learn along the way? Because wherever I am at in my life right now, it is exactly where I'm meant to be. We had a very powerful message at uh, Flatirons Church this past weekend that, that helped me reflect on that. Is it called into question a lot of my leadership, my self-leadership, and my leadership in a relationship, which is something that I focus on. Am I leading this relationship in a direction that I feel aligned with? And if the answer is no, well, then I get the opportunity to fail my way forward. And last week, we touched on a concept of non-attachment in a relationship. And I would like to continue the conversation of non-attachment in a relationship as it, as it pertains to failure, because my relationship failed in the past. Does that make me a failure? Absolutely not. Are the mistakes in my past relationships or in my current relationships defining me as a mistake? Absolutely not. And this is an approach of non-attachment of like, I'm not attached to the decisions that I make. I am free to make mistakes in my relationship, and that makes me a stronger partner. And that makes me a more dedicated person to growth within the structure and the container of a relationship. And I want to hear from you. I want to hear what comes up for you when I discuss non-attachment through the lens of failing in a, in a relationship. I feel as if modern society, social media, Uh, movies, TV has really done us a disservice on what modern relationships are really all about. 
we have been inundated by a message from Disney and other movie production companies that you got to find the one. It's got to be a lightning bolt worth of a worth of a feeling in order for the relationship to work. And I disagree. I disagree because if we are attached to that feeling, that lightning bolt that we are expecting, then we are setting ourselves up for disappointment. We're setting ourselves up for a partner who can't meet our expectations. And we're no longer approaching our relationship with a white belt mentality. And what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is if we're always valuing, if we're bringing a value of lifelong learning to our relationship, well, then we never approach the relationship with a mastery mindset. Like I know everything. Fuck no. I don't know anything about relationships. I know some. I know what a relationship feels like to me. I know what support feels like within the container of a relationship. I know what empathy feels like. I want to co-create that with my partner as well. But if I'm attached to the outcome of like, this person has to be the one, then I am I'm too attached to the outcome of the relationship. Whereas if I just come back to a white belt mentality and say, hey, how do I want to show up today? How do I want to show up as the leader in the relationship? How do I want to be led in the relationship? Is there, a, is there a better way that I can communicate what I'm feeling? And I want to take you back to a time in my life where I had gone through a couple of breakups within six months. And I took ownership of that. And I wanted to uncover and discover why it was that this pattern kept showing up in my relationships of this push-pull dynamic, of this avoid and distance myself from my partner. Why do I choose to do that? And I approached my life and my relationships with a white belt mentality. I sought out a counselor for the first time in 20 years. I began the podcast where I got the opportunity to speak to people who knew more about relationships than I did. And it was a tremendous value to my life. But I think that along the way, what was more important is that I'm not attached to every piece of information that I am given through this journey. I get to choose with sovereignty and agency on what I feel is going to build intimacy within a relationship for me. And then when I meet a partner that I'm interested in, that I'm curious about, that is also uh, sharing values that I have and is interested in the same type of relationship that I want, then I get the opportunity to co-create an, an ideal relationship with that person through communication and through non-attachment. Does that mean that I'm disassociating from the relationship? Absolutely not. Does that mean that I have apathy towards the result of the relationship? No. It's almost more loving and caring to approach a relationship with non-attachment because then we don't have a graspy or a clingy energy that we're bringing to the relationship. And for our attachment theory fans out there, I think you'll understand what I mean when I talk about the anxiously attached partner having that type of energy when they come to a relationship. But then we talk about the avoidantly attached person having a pursuer distancer vibe. We're like, yes, I want to get close. And then I pull back and then I want to get close again. And then I pull back again out of fear. And at the root of all of this conversation, the fear of I am not good enough, the fear of I am not worthy 
And that's what I've experienced in my time of looking through my life through the lens of relationship, relationship to my clients, relationship to weightlifting, relationship to my jujitsu teammates and the sport of jujitsu and the emotional component to that sport. What is my relationship to all of these things? And I get to ask myself constantly without attachment to the outcome of like, what can I take responsibility of in my life right now that is going to help me fail forward? And if I continue to approach my life with this fail forward and white belt mentality, then I get the opportunity to no longer define myself by my mistakes. And I'll close it out with uh, one of my favorite quotes from Maya Angelou. Once we know better, do better. And that could be a personal mantra for me in a lot of areas of my life. Once I know more about fitness and client services, I get to do better with those clients. When I learn more about the emotional component of coaching, then I get to do better work with my clients. We get closer. We actually have better conversations about what is holding them back. What's holding me back as a coach? What am I afraid of? Am I worthy of actually working with this client? And the answer is yes. I get the opportunity to ask myself, what is it that I want out of my relationship with my business? Do I see that same core limiting belief showing up in my business? Yes, all the time. And then when I approach my personal relationships, my intimate relationships with family, friends, and a romantic partner, I get to ask myself, what can I take responsibility of here? Am I too attached to the outcome? Am I investing myself early in this relationship because I have a fear of not being worthy of the love that I'm given? Am I clinging to the relationship because it's all I have in my life? Am I putting this person up on a pedestal because I have so much fear that they're going to leave me that I'll just say yes to absolutely everything. And I hope that this conversation was valuable today. I don't want it to be one-sided. So please don't hesitate to reach out on social media. Uh, I know a couple of our audience members did so last week after our episode that kicked off this new series called Lift, Laugh, Love. It's, I'm truly passionate about combining the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual and financial components of our health and wellness journey. And that includes our relationships and that includes our financial abundance. And that includes everything that may show up in your life and my life. And if I continue to, if I continue to ignore the opportunity of looking at the emotional component to my life, well, then I'm doing myself a disservice and the clients and the audience and please, don't hesitate to reach out if something resonated or if you have a deeper question, a clarifying question that you want to ask. Connect with me on Instagram, TikTok, or Facebook, and we can have a conversation that takes this emotional component, this white belt mentality, this fail forward mindset to the next level. Where would you like to go with this conversation? If you found value in this conversation, please share this episode with somebody that you love and that you feel would get a lot of value out of the conversation as well. Until next week, this is Dave Glazer in Denver, Colorado, wishing you health and happiness wherever you're at in the world.